Thank you, Pastor Lionel. That was a beautiful uh, adaptation, 1 Corinthians 13. I was praying this week for you, for every single one of you, maybe not by name, but I was praying that God will be present with us here today, that He will feed us, and we will go from here comforted, encouraged, maybe rebuked where is necessary, but definitely drawn closer to God. I'm not sure if you're aware, but since 2011, the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church has seen 3,000 baptisms a day. I'll say that again. Since, since 2011, the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church has seen 3,000 baptisms a day. That means every single minute, two people are making a decision for Jesus Christ based on the Bible and the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Can you imagine every single minute, two people somewhere in this world are making a decision for Jesus Christ? Can we say amen to that? Not only that, but every four hours... You know, so if you, you were awake at 7 o'clock this morning and it's 11.30, you know, that's actually more than four hours. But every four hours, a new seven-day Adventist church is formed in the world. Isn't that amazing? How the Spirit of God works and how the prophecy that they're outpouring will come upon His people. When you think that the Adventist movement started with a handful of people somewhere in America... And today is one of the largest Protestant churches in the world with the largest Protestant educational system in the world. Why? Not because we are any special or any good, but because God has called us, my friends. Our birth certificate is Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10 is our birth certificate. We are not a church just for the sake of being another church. We have been prophesied. God had us in mind that we may rise to the challenge and prepare His people for His soon return. And I know I am very much aware that this morning I stand before an amazing church. I know that I have before me people that have sacrificed money, time, maybe families in order to go to various places around the world to bring the gospel. But let me share this with you. This morning, I know that I stand before a group of people that have remained faithful to Jesus Christ, have remained faithful to His mission, have remained faithful to the return of tithes and offerings, and have remained faithful to the work of the gospel. And as a result of that, let me share this with you, more people have come into His kingdom. Your work is not in vain. Amen? But with all these amazing statistics, with all these amazing statistics, there are still millions of people that are still unreached. While we are, you know, praising God and rejoicing over past victories, there is still something you and I can do together in 2018. And it doesn't matter if you're in this church or you're watching us on TV, be blessed. I hope that today's message will help you understand the role that we can play. 
the, the theme is, if I can have my PowerPoint up, whatever it takes, to do whatever it takes to enlarge God's kingdom. There's this amazing verse in Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51. It's about Jesus Christ, and this is how it says, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for Him, referring to Jesus, to be received up, that He did what? Steadfastly set His face to Jerusalem. That word is just amazing, steadfastly. Basically, he was so determined that he said, nothing will stop me from achieving my mission, and that will be to save you and me. No beatings, no torture, no betraying, no demon was going to stop Jesus from achieving his mission. In other words, he said, I'll do whatever it takes to bring salvation into this world. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants us to have the same attitude the same response, that we will do whatever it takes to bring someone, to influence someone into His kingdom. And there's a passage that I'd like us to unpack this morning. This will be our main uh, passage for study. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark, Gospel of Mark, verses 1 to 5. And as we unpack this passage, I'd like us to uh, unveil three main characteristics that God, I believe, wants us to have, not only as individuals, but as a church family. Something that will enable us to take the gospel further. Something that will enable Avondale Memorial Church to be the church that God intends it to be. So, in Gospel of Mark, chapter uh, 2, verses 1 to 5, we're going to read the whole passage to begin with, and then we're going to try to, uh, to pull it apart bit by bit. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, I'll be reading from New King James Version. And again, he entered Capernaum, talking about Jesus Christ, after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many people, sorry, many gathered together. So there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading. This is an outstanding story in the Bible. It talks about a paralytic. He had no government support, no medical care at home. And as I look at this story, it seems to me, I could be wrong because sometimes I'm wrong, my wife tells me that, that sometimes I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the paralytic, and I want you to pay attention to this, the paralytic had no intention of going to Jesus, and keep that in mind. And here we have a person that couldn't move, had no independence, he was a paralytic with no desire to come to Jesus, and yet, this paralytic is a blessed man. Why? He's got four amazing, what? 
friends, thank you. And what's so amazing about these friends? These friends, maybe against His will, took Him to Jesus. And we're going to see this point, why, why, why I'm sustaining th this argument. And I believe what Jesus is doing as He looks at this world, He sees a lot of people that are paralyzed by sin, right? Not only they are paralyzed by sin, but they have no desire to come to Jesus. So he sees this group, but at the same time, he's looking for another group. For this, for this group of people represented by four amazing friends that will bring their friends to Jesus. We may not carry people on beds to Jesus, but I believe God wants us to carry people in our prayers before Jesus. I have friends and I have relatives that have nothing to do with God. But do you know what's my responsibility before God? Is to carry them in prayer before Jesus, even though they do not want that. Why? Because we live in a great controversy. Let me remind you, God has raised this movement that we may proclaim the three angels' messages in the context of the great controversy. We cannot remain indifferent to the battle that is going around us. And, you know, there are many things we can take out of this passage, but there are, there are a couple of points I want to share with you. One of them is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 19 to 20. And it says, this is Paul talking to the church in Thessalonica. He says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Paul is actually saying, you know, I live my life filled with hope and I have a lot of joy and I know when I get to heaven, I will receive a, a what? A crown of what type of crown? Is he talking about crown of gold? No, it's a crown of rejoicing. Now, what is that crown of rejoicing? He says, it's not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming, for you are our glory and joy. Paul is very clear about his, 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 his purpose in life, about his existence. He says, the reason why I breathe and I live and I move is to bring someone to Jesus. What a better place than to be at Jesus' feet. And he says, when I get into God's kingdom, I will have glory and I will have joy and I will have a crown and all these three represent someone in which I have invested and that person is in God's kingdom because I have intentionally brought that person before God. Amen? Do we understand the responsibility that God is placing on our shoulders? Because sometimes we think that we're going to receive this crown of gold in heaven. And Paul is saying, let me share with you, this crown of gold, the real crown of gold is a person that you have influenced for eternity. Now, the point that uh, uh, the, the story in Mark is making um, first one is, these four people, these four friends, they were what? United. And this is a very important element. It's an important element about believers and especially about the church. It would have been quite hard or impossible for one man to carry the paralytic. Would you agree with me? It would have been quite hard and maybe along the way he would have grown weary and said, this is too hard, I'm going back. But when you've got four friends, you know what happens? The load is easier and you get to encourage one another. When one is ready to give up, the other one will step in and say, no, we can do this 
together. Jesus Christ himself said, a house that is divided against itself will not stand. And one of the things that Satan seeks to bring to any church, including Avondale Memorial, is lack of unity. God wants us to be united in this purpose of saving those around us. And Jesus is saying, let's be united as we seek to bring our friends in prayer before Jesus. Now, there is one thing for me to pray for my neighbors and for my, friend, for my friends in personal prayer. And the Bible, for some reason, I've got no explanation, tells us there is greater power when four of us or more come together in prayer. Why? I do not know. The only reason I know is that God wants us to be united. Now, look at this thing, book of Acts. Book of Acts is in the New Testament, talks about the life of the disciples after, the, after Jesus Christ went to heaven. Now, in the book of Acts, prayer is a prominent subject, and prayer is mentioned 28 times in the book of Acts. But what's fascinating about this is the next fact. 23 out of 28 instances, book of Acts talks about corporate prayer. Sometimes we, we're quite okay with praying individually, but God is calling us to be together in prayer groups, to pray together. And this, because, of, because the church, the apostolic church emphasized the idea of coming or corporate, to, uh, corporate prayer, the church really exploded. You know, when they were coming together, they were praying for the Holy Spirit, not only as individuals, but they were praying as a church for the Holy Spirit. They were praying for divine guidance. They were praying for people's salvation. You know, they were saying, let's pray. We're praying for Tom, for John, for Russ, for Helen, for Mary. You know, they were saying, we've got these names, and we're praying for these people before you, God. They were praying for healing. They were praying for deliverance, for divine protection, for consecration. These are some of the examples. But look at what um, Ellen White, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote, the promise is made on the condition that the united prayers, what everyone? United, not individual. United prayers of the church are offered, and in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. Why? Well, we're going to ask God in heaven why. I do not have the answer. And he goes on saying, the power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love for God and for one another. So, you've got this unity emphasized in the idea of, of praying together because we learn to live with each other we learn to put up with each other's faults, and God wants to, to create that unity. I've experienced this firsthand. I had the privilege of being part of the, a team of evangelists in Auckland, New Zealand, last year in the months of June and July. Auckland had a, had a citywide evangelism. They had 15 churches doing evangelism at the same time, you know, one advertising, different locations, and uh, I was associated with one of the church, Royal Oak, if any of you know the church. It was a, blessing a blessed experience, but I guess the highlight was the prayer time. Every Sunday 
Wednesday and Friday morning at 6 a.m. This is winter time, Auckland, New Zealand. Keep that in mind, all right? As I go through the story, remind yourself, Auckland, New Zealand, winter time. At 6 a.m., Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, church members plus the evangelists met at one central location for prayer. We could have all stayed at home and prayed in our little rooms as individuals. There's nothing wrong with praying individually. But sometimes God says, I want you to come together to show me the fire that is burning within your heart for the salvation of the lost. And praise be to God, after five weeks of evangelism, 95 precious souls were baptized at the end of that city-wide campaign. Not only 95 were baptized on that last Sabbath, 105 made decision to be baptized as soon as possible. Can you say amen? Why? Because I cannot move a person's heart. Only the Spirit of God will do it. And I believe what God is doing to Avondale Memorial Church in 2018 is calling us to unity and unity in prayer. And I, I'm so, I was so excited when I, when I first opened the bulletin of this church and I looked at so many uh, prayer groups that are taking place. And you know what? Let's take that to a step higher. Let's go further than that. Starting on the 31st of January, we're going to have 10 days of prayer in our fellowship hall. Let's come together. Let's fill that hall that there'll be no room and we'll have to get out of that fellowship hall and come here and continue 10 days of prayer. Because we understand that without the power of God, nothing will continue to grow and nothing will continue to move. These guys were united. Point number two, very quickly, they were determined. Would you agree with me that these four friends were determined? Would you agree with me? They were what, what do you think? What, make, what makes you believe they were determined? They went through the roof, right? So they carried their friend and they got to the house and said, Oh, man, it's so crowded. Let's take you back and we'll try tomorrow. Is that what they said? No, they didn't say that. They said, look, we can't get you through the door. We'll get you through the roof. But we'll get you to Jesus. They were determined. They weren't ready to give up. And this is one thing about prayer that I have personally discovered is that sometimes you intercede for someone and you pray for someone. And six months into your prayer journey, one year into your prayer journey, you know what? Nothing happens. 25 years down the track, you're still praying for that person and you know what, Pastor Eric? Nothing happens. And the question is, are we still determined to continue to pray. Have you, said this, have you heard of the story of the Chinese bamboo tree? The Chinese farmer takes the seed of the bamboo tree, he goes to his farm, and he plants the seed right there. He adds fertilizer, he adds water, and in the first year, nothing happens. At least nothing happens that he can see above the ground. The second year, the Chinese farmer, he goes back to the place where he planted the seed, he adds water, and he adds fertilizer, and nothing happens in the second year. Wouldn't you get frustrated? I mean, what is this? The third and the fourth year, the Chinese farmer goes back to his seed, he adds water, fertilizes, and during the fourth year, 
nothing happens. The Chinese farmer is determined. So he returns in his fifth year, and he adds water, fertilizer. And during that fifth year, in a period of six weeks, that Chinese bamboo tree seed grows into a 20 meters tall tree. In a period of six weeks, grows from nothing to 20 meters. Question, did it grow in six weeks or in five years? Had he not been there every year with water and fertilizer, nothing would have taken place. My friends, God is calling us to be determined in our prayers, not to give up, knowing that one day our work will not be in vain. I had the privilege of baptizing uh, a number of people last year, but one of them stands out because it was such a, such a great re rejoicing. His wife had been praying for him for 20 years. And every single year she was hoping that this would be the year. And after 20 years of prayer, I was there one Friday night at Bible study when he made a decision to be baptized. And this, this lady, the, the, his wife said, after 20 years, my prayer is being answered. She was what? Determined. I want to talk to you this morning and say if you have a wife or a husband, a child that has run away from God, don't give up. Remain determined in your prayers. Not only determined, but come in unity with fellow believers. Same day, same baptism with this fellow who was a grandfather. By the way, the father got baptized with his two daughters. That's an amazing story. And now there was a grandfather. His wife had been praying for this man for like, you know, more than 40 years. And 85 years old, he made a decision to be baptized together with his two granddaughters. The Spirit of God moves like never before when we step out of the way and the church comes in unity in prayer and is determined. Last point. These four men, they were faith-filled. Why do I say that? Look at verse 5 in Mark 2. Look at verse 5. This story, my friends, had nothing to do with the paralytic, if I may say that. This story is not about the paralytic. This story in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, is all about these four friends of the paralytic. Four friends that are determined, united to bring their friend to Jesus Christ. Jesus was preaching in the house. There started to be this commotion. You know, the, the roof is being destroyed. Everyone is, you know, is, is stepping out of the way this bed that is being lowered, and the bed reaches the floor, and there you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, between heaven and earth. And he looked at this fellow on the ground, a paralytic that probably said, oh, I didn't ask for this. And the Bible passage tells us that Jesus looked at their faith. How does faith look like? What color is it? What shape does it take? 
It was their action. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ looked at their faith, and based on their request, He honored that request by healing that paralytic. My friends, we don't have time because I need to finish, but take this passage and read it home. It's an assurance that when we intercede for someone that has not committed the unpardonable sin, God will work for the salvation of that person. When we intercede for someone that has not committed the unpardonable sin, God will work for the salvation of that person. And as we finish this morning, Ellen White has this statement in Selected Messages, Volume 1, through much prayer, you must labor for souls. For this is the only method. Now, what does it mean, the only method? It means that there is no other method. Through much prayer, you must labor for souls. For this is the only method by which you can reach hearts. Because preaching, what I'm doing now, is foolishness if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts and minds. That's why God has this, this sense of humor, I call it. He chooses, you know, the weakest of the weak in order to display His glory. It's the only method by which you can reach hearts. It is not your work, including all of us, but the work of Christ who is by your side that impresses heart. I believe that one of the biggest abominations that we can do as a church is to be a prayerless church. I mean, why on earth do we exist if we have ceased to pray? Not only to pray, but to pray in unity, to pray with determination, and to have faith in our hearts as we pray. My friends, with God's help, 2018 is going to be an amazing year. It will be an amazing year, not because of us, but because of His glory and goodness towards us sinners. But my appeal to you this morning is an invitation that you will join us for these 10 days of prayer that will begin on the 31st of January. That we will pray for our pastoral team, we will pray for our elders, we will pray for our deacons and deaconesses, we will pray for our Sabbath school departments, we will pray for our evangelistic efforts, we will pray for our health department, we will pray that as we move and we live and we breathe, the Spirit of God will use us to bring glory and honor to His name. And as a church, we will come in unity, with determination, and we will be faith-filled. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless us and help us to really follow into His footsteps.